Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Mana. Episode 10 now. We are here. Thank you for all the support. It's been a lot. It's been great to get back on the mic. We're in one of the best times of the year for baseball season. Coming up on the All-Star break, I wanted to give as much time before I start talking about snubs and overreacting until replacements are made and we kind of have a greater picture of who's an all-star and who's not the decisions that were made by the fans which honestly I feel like the fans get it right more often than the coaches and players do for the reserves putting together the all-star lineups and of course the home run derby which is one of my favorite events personally to watch we have a full set lineup for that that I'll get into But the term all-star snubs, I was talking about it last week on the show. There are always people dying on the hill of a certain player's case, whether it's for the Hall of Fame or for the all-star game. There's no way with them having the rules in place the way they are. Only so many of each position, one representative from every team. Putting the team together, it can be really difficult. Sometimes players that have Really great seasons can get left off. But then when players opt out for health reasons or whatever else may be going on, the managers have a chance to hand select players to fill those holes the right way. And I feel like there's been a very big problem with the new format. It's the DH position. Having that universal DH as a position that you're voting for in the American League and the National League, I feel like the managers and players, whether it's they had to fill it out that way when they voted or whatever the case may be, had to replace DHs with primary DHs instead of players that will often DH for teams, whether that's their outfielder that needs some extra days out of the field or a first baseman that's a great slugger the dh position while it is great and some players thrive majority dh careers like a david ortiz or edgar martinez replacing jordan alvarez straight up with jd martinez while he was deserving is that the right call did they have to replace a dh with the dh So that's what I'm thinking. They replace the DH Bryce Harper with the DH from Miami, Garrett Cooper. And if you're saying who, I don't blame you. Garrett Cooper's a solid ball player. Started off with the Yankees. He's been in Miami. He has a pretty good season going. 295 batting average, 7 home runs, 40 RBIs, 362 on base, 453 slugging, 815 OPS. Not bad as a guy that splits time at first with Jesus Aguilar and DHs a lot of the time. But then you look at the other first basemen that are having tremendous seasons that missed the cut. Josh Bell is not an all-star because Juan Soto is who the fans want to see. Juan Soto has heated up lately, but for the majority of the season, he was not playing well. He would have been voted in by the fans as a starter if he was playing well. 
but Juan Soto still got the players and manager vote to be the Washington Nationals' sole representative with how bad that team's been. Josh Bell has been a fantastic piece for them. 266 average, 13 home runs, 48 ribbies, 380 on base, 488 slugging with an 868 OPS. He's someone that I think will be a very valuable trade chip for the Nationals down the stretch, and I think making the All-Star team would have helped them get even more in return for him. So that might have been a strategic play by the managers. But then we're in Los Angeles. We're at Dodger Stadium. Reigning World Series champion Freddie Freeman playing for the boys in blue. 297 batting average, 12 home runs, 56 runs driven in. And for you people that care only about the main counting stats, he leads the National League currently with 111 hits. More than Paul Goldschmidt, who wiped the floor with everybody in the fan vote, the clear MVP favorite, Freddie Freeman has more hits. 398 on base. This man walks. 522 slugging percentage. He has 30 doubles already. A 920 OPS. Unbelievable. He's a guy that's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He's having an amazing season for the team that's hosting the All-Star game. And even when a slugger goes down, they replace him with Garrett Cooper. The fans probably don't want to see Garrett Cooper. Marlins fans are probably the only people that are happy. I'm obviously Garrett Cooper's family's happy for him. I hate this whole snub process because being an all-star is such an honor, and I don't want to diminish that. But you say you had to pick someone that was a primary DH, Freeman and Bell, primarily our first baseman. I can get the argument there, but it's a bad argument. And then the final replacement was named. George Springer, outfielder from the Toronto Blue Jays, was removed for former Dodger who signed a big money deal with Texas, Corey Seager. Corey Seager was named an all-star reserve, a shortstop in replacement of an outfielder. So they're not just doing one for one. It had to be a DH to replace Harper. And Seager is batting 246, 21 home runs, 50 RBIs. He can hit. He's got a 322 on base, 468 slug, 790 OPS. You know, batting under 250, at least he has over 21 home runs to make that make more sense and being an all-star and all. And Corey Seager is a very good player. But you're telling me that it doesn't matter what position you replace George Springer with. You have a guy in Ty France who primarily plays first base, but he was looked over when Jordan Alvarez was taken out for the DH spot. Luis Arias was designated as a first baseman for the American League squad, even though he plays all over the diamond. Ty France has some utility potential as well. He plays all over the diamond. And he's batting 303, 10 home runs, 47 runs driven in, 375 on base, 457 slug, so a little slower in the slug than Seager, and an 832 OPS. He's just been a flat-out better hitter, giving better at-bats for Seattle, and that team we'll talk to in a little bit. 
they've been on a roll. And he's been one of the driving forces for that team. And I get Ty France isn't a box office selling name. And Corey Seager used to play for the Dodgers. He's got the talent. He's got the contract. He's a star, right? But you just replaced DHs with Jordan Alvarez and Bryce Harper with DHs in J.D. Martinez and Garrett Cooper. And then George Springer, who's an outfielder, you replace with a shortstop. So you didn't have to do one-for-one replacements. Freddie Freeman, Ty France, they could be all-stars right now. Then probably the biggest problem I have is the catching position. I think the fans got it right. I think Kirk from Toronto, Contreras from Chicago, those were the two clear guys in each league that were the best hitting catchers. They should be starting. Thank you, fans. But then when we get to the reserves, the Yankees are having an unbelievable season. And losing Gary Sanchez's below-average defense has been... One of the big reasons why they've been better this year. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Josh Donaldson, they've added a lot of good defense to this group. And Jose Trevino, getting a chance to play every day, I'm happy for Jose Trevino, the person. 255 batting average, 7 home runs, 27 RBIs, a 303 on base, 424 slugging, 728 OPS. And before they added Seager, I think the second most deserving all-star on Texas behind Martin Perez, who is their sole original representative, was Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim is probably a name that most of you have never heard of. And Jonah Heim is finally taking over as the primary catcher for Texas. He's DH'd a little bit as well. Batting 267. 12 home runs, 32 runs driven in. He's got a 320 on base, 480 slugging, and a 799 OPS. That's a guy that I think before Corey Seager was added when there was only one Texas player, I think that could have been a really nice thing to mix up. There's a lot of Yankees that were deserving and a lot of Yankees that made it. Judge and Stanton through the popular vote. Holmes, Cole, and Cortez also joined Trevino through the players and managers voting. And I think that Jonah Heim probably should have been there over Jose Trevino. Then in the NL, the Braves, very much like the Yankees, they had the top vote getter in their league with Acuna, one of the best teams in their league, got a lot of representation at the All-Star game. William Contreras joined his brother, the first pair of brothers, to play in an all-star game together since Roberto and Sandy Alomar in the late 90s. That's really cool. William Contreras is batting 265 with 11 home runs, 22 runs driven in. And now you don't think that's very impressive. But if you look at the advanced numbers, he's got a 349 on base, a 551 slugging, and a 900 OPS. He's been giving really good at-bats for the Braves as the DH and as a catcher. And I'm not mad about him making the All-Star game. I think it's a great story. 
The Braves are a great team. He's been a big part of the reason why. He was carrying the offense certain nights before Acuna got healthy and back. But then they also named Travis Darno, the other Braves catcher, as a reserve. Travis Darno, good player. He's having a good season. He's never made an all-star game, so I'm happy for him in that regard. 262 batting average, 11 home runs. He's got more RBIs with 37. So you'd think, oh, he's just as deserving as Contreras. But then you look at the advanced numbers. He's got a 311 on base, not bad. 464 slugging, about average. 775 OPS, that's okay. And you look, again, we're playing at Dodger Stadium, people. I know you can't have the entire team be Dodgers, but when players are dominating, Will Smith, 265 batting average, 14 home runs, which is the most by any catcher in the majors right now, 46 RBIs, he's got a 358 on base, 466 slug, and an 824 OPS. He might not have better advanced numbers than Contreras. He might not have as good of counting stats as the two of them combined. But I think two Braves catchers making it was a little bit too much. Contreras and Darno. I think that having the Contreras brothers would have been a cool story. But I don't see why Will Smith leading the NL catchers in home runs, batting in the middle of that Dodgers lineup when he's at home, wasn't at least named a reserve, especially with him getting on base as much as he does compared to Darno. He's got better counting stats and advanced metrics than Darno. Make it make sense. And if you wanted to do it because of getting that player that's the one representative from a bad team, that's why Will Smith didn't make it. It would make it less egregious. So if it was Contreras and Tyler Stevenson of the Cincinnati Reds, who has a 323 batting average, six home runs, 35 runs driven in, with a 376 on base, 491 slug, and an 867 OPS. Granted, he's missed some time, so he doesn't have as big of a sample size as those three other catchers I've talked about so far in the National League. But if Stevenson was named the other catching reserve with Contreras to get the Reds a representative, and Will Smith missed it because of that, You'd still could say he's a snub, but it wouldn't be as egregious. Instead, the Reds' representative was Luis Castillo. Now, Luis Castillo, shout out to him for shutting down the Yanks in the Bronx as a Red Sox fan. I really appreciate it. I think he's going to be a big trade chip for Cincinnati as that last starter they haven't traded. But he's got a 3-4 and four record, 277 ERA, 82 strikeouts with a whip that's around one. He's having a good season, but not a phenomenal season. Quality innings. Castillo makes it as like the big name on the Reds. When Stevenson is having a phenomenal hitting season for a catcher. I just talked about him. And Brandon Drury is batting 279, 18 home runs, 51 RBIs, 366 on base. 532 slug, and an 868 OPS. Now, if you're saying these numbers sound familiar, it's because they're better than Corey Seager, who was just named as an all-star reserve. Cincinnati has been awful this year. No way around it. 
Joey Votto is not looking like Joey Votto anymore. Hunter Green hasn't been what everyone thought he would be as that elite pitching prospect. Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson. This Reds team has not been great to watch. Tyler Stevenson, when healthy, has been awesome. Brandon Jury's been consistent. And Luis Castillo's been their one pitcher they can really count on consistently. So they gave Castillo the nod instead of giving it to Stevenson or a Drury. And that's fine, but it makes the Will Smith omission that much more egregious. Congratulations to Travis Darno and William Contreras. I'm happy for them as people, both being first-time All-Stars. The American League on the pitching side has a ton of first-time All-Stars. It's always great to see that, especially with the legacy picks that they made, with Pujols getting his 11th selection and Cabrera getting his 12th. Having guys that have been there a dozen times and guys that are being there for the first time, it really helps grow the game and build a lot of connections and give those players and fans experiences that they wouldn't get with a different combination of players. But Will Smith sitting here without an all-star appearance on his resume, I think it's a real shame. If you watch any Dodgers games, he bats in the middle of the lineup. He gives good at bats. He's consistently their guy behind the dish with all their different pitchers. He's a really good player. And for him to be omitted for not one, but both Braves catchers really rubbed me the wrong way. I think the catching position is where these players and managers got things wrong the most. That being said, I'm still excited for All-Star Weekend. Albert Pujols announced that in his final year, he will be competing in the Home Run Derby. Now, he will not have an easy task as Kyle Schwarber, who was arguably the hottest power hitter in the month of June in the National League, he hit, I believe, 20 homers in the month, is going to be facing him as the one seed versus Pujols, who only has six home runs this year. So I'm hoping Pujols can pull off the upset and be involved in this home run derby, but it's just going to be great to see him out there. He can still hit. Watching batting practice of an older Albert Pujols, he gives good at bats. I'm hoping that whoever throws him the home run derby balls will be left-handed because he mashes left-handed pitching just the way he sees the ball out of the hand. But Schwarber will be facing off against Pujols. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, is going for his third straight title in the home run derby. That's pretty exciting as the two seed will be facing Ronald Acuna, who is, in my opinion, maybe the most electrifying player in the game. He definitely looks like he's still recovering from the injury. He doesn't look like he's 100% of himself, but 85-90% of Ronald Acuna has still been really fun to watch, still been a big impact for the Braves. That's going to be a cool matchup in the NL East. We just saw an amazing playoff atmosphere series between Atlanta and New York. Corey Seager, who was named a reserve, also announced he'd be competing in the Home Run Derby. I'm happy that the Dodgers faithful out there will have a former Dodger at least to cheer for. I'm a little disappointed that there's no Dodger player, whether it's Bellinger, Betts, Freeman, Muncie, somebody in there for the Dodgers at the home stadium. You always like to see a home player just suit up for the home run derby and try to win it in front of the home crowd. 
Juan Soto, who I talked about earlier, he's been on a tear. He's got 19 home runs. He'll be facing off against Jose Ramirez, who is one of the most underrated players in the game. So I'm really excited about that matchup. Two guys that aren't really loud, but just go to work every day and mash. And Corey Seager will be facing off against the rookie sensation Julio Rodriguez from the Seattle Mariners. Julio Rodriguez, fastest player in Major League history to 15 home runs and 20 stolen bases. He seems like he's the real deal. And the Mariners seem like they're the real deal. Winning 11 straight so far. It's their longest winning streak since 2001. This Mariners team is playing out of their minds right now. A lot of people picked them as a sneaky wildcard team with the Robbie Ray signing and their young talent. And then they're starting to look like they might be a wildcard team. They had a lot of momentum last year in the wildcard race late in the season. And they traded Kendall Graveman to a division opponent. And that really sucked the life out of that locker room. A lot of players were upset. And they've recovered. They've banded together. And I really hope that the Mariners, instead of selling a piece of this trade deadline, will add a piece or two to that bullpen and just try to win with what they got. They got a really exciting team. The last time they've won 10 games in a season, Ichiro Suzuki was a second-year player. Edgar Martinez was still on the roster. It was crazy. And the other team that has came back from the dead, their longest winning streak since 1999, the year your boy was born. The Baltimore Orioles have pigeonholed themselves into the wildcard mix. Every single team in the American League East has an above 500 record. The Orioles are so fun, man. As a Red Sox fan, I've gotten to see that great Orioles squad they had with Adam Jones and J.J. Hardy, Manny Machado, all those talented players. I saw all of them go, and they've been in a perpetual rebuild, drafting high in the draft, accumulating talent, and they're finally starting to reap the benefits of it. It's so fun to watch. I hate when teams tank. It's not good for the game if there's teams that just aren't in it or not trying. The Orioles are having a phenomenal season. The fact that they've been able to fight back, win series, put these wins together. The last time in 1999 when they won this many games in a row, Cal Ripken Jr., Harold Baines, and Mike Mussina were all on the active roster. These players are all retired and enshrined in Cooperstown now. And not all of them were first ballot. So... It's very crazy to see the Orioles have Adley Rushman, and I feel like his call-up has been a big push forward to what they're doing. Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, they have a ton of fun guys. Mountcastle, it's a great squad. It's fun to watch. I hope they don't sell too much of the deadline. I'm assuming that they're going to sell some of their free agent guys just because they're not going to spend money. But this is a sign pointing towards future success. It shows that the American League East is the best division in baseball. And it's been really cool seeing these two teams that have not been relevant for a little while making these runs. How can you not be romantic about baseball? 
the fact that they're able to have these moments, it doesn't matter if you're the historically best team in the league or historically worst team in the league. The Orioles have gotten 43 wins in 77 games. It took them nearly 100 last year to do it. It's amazing what a culture change can do. This Orioles squad will not be in the playoffs this year, I don't think. But going forward, you got to watch out. The Orioles are a team to be reckoned with. And I think that going forward, Brandon Hyde, I hope that they give him the opportunity with this squad to reap the benefits once this team builds and these players mature into being the manager that tries to really win with this team. Speaking of really winning, the last thing I wanted to touch on was the Blue Jays situation. So the Blue Jays relieved Charlie Montoyo of his duties as manager after a bad road trip. John Schneider was named the interim manager. This Blue Jays team, despite having multiple home stadiums, despite being a very young squad with a bunch of players that haven't really done it in the show, but their dads did, Charlie Montoya was looked at as a good mentor for these young players. They never had a losing month with Montoya. It was really surprising. I think that there would have been about 10 managers almost that people would have thought would have gotten canned before Charlie Montoya. But like I said, the AL East is the best division in baseball. And I don't get at Ross Atkins, the general manager, for saying this isn't good enough. Our team is talented. We need to win. They've been doing that with the Jose Barrios trade and extension, with the Matt Chapman trade, signing Marcus Simeon for that one-year deal, bringing in George Springer. They're trying to build a winner in Toronto. And if they're not getting the results that they want, who am I to say Montoyo was unjustly fired? As a Red Sox fan, it definitely pleases me to see a division opponent rattled like that. When you fire a manager, sometimes it's the boost a team needs, and sometimes the team just never really finds its identity and figures things out. Vladimir Guerrero and company are going to be good. It's just how good will they be? Will there be anyone else to blame now that Montoyo is gone? I think if they kept him throughout the season and they didn't accomplish their goals, he could have been the scapegoat, and they could have rebuild it in the offseason but now they got to rebuild on the fly this all-star break is going to be huge for them team bonding getting everything in order the way they want to i'm assuming they're going to be a big player in the market for a player probably not andrew benintendi because he's not vaccinated and toronto has that ban on where unvaccinated players cannot travel so it's going to be interesting, but the Blue Jays are a team to watch. They are going to be under a microscope for me and a lot of baseball throughout the rest of the season to see if this gamble of getting rid of Montoyo, who, while he might have not been a Hall of Fame manager, was definitely not considered a bad one, getting canned this soon. Moving over to the NFL. I didn't touch on it last week. I wanted it to settle. I didn't want to be too negative about it. Baker Mayfield traded to the Carolina Panthers 
what does this mean? This means that Baker escaped Cleveland. Good for Baker. He was the most consistent, hardworking quarterback Cleveland has had since Bernie Kosar. They had that long laundry list of starting quarterback names on that Tim Couch jersey. And Baker Mayfield was the first one to make the playoffs, win a playoff game. Number one overall pick. He might not have been the slam dunk. You redo that draft, you would pick Josh Allen or Lamar over him. But Baker Mayfield, I don't think, has been a bust either. I think he's had a solid career. Winning a Heisman and being one of the most prolific college passers of all time. He might have underperformed a little bit in some people's eyes, but given Cleveland's situation, the way they build around him, the injuries Baker has suffered while he's in Cleveland, and the fact that while he's down and recovering from his shoulder, they go and trade for the most polarizing player in the NFL and Deshaun Watson, and they don't just trade for him with multiple first-round picks, a third-round pick, multiple fourths but they give him a $200 million extension. And that must have really hurt for Baker, someone that wears his emotion on his sleeve, is in a bunch of commercials. He seems like a fun-loving guy that you'd have fun hanging out with. So I felt for him, but it's a business. Deshaun Watson is definitely more talented than Baker Mayfield. So personally, I wouldn't have made the move, but I understand it from a football perspective. Now, from a locker room and marketing standpoint, you had your face of the franchise, and he was doing well. Maybe they thought that they couldn't win a Super Bowl with Baker, but I think Cleveland, as desperate as they want a Super Bowl, would have just been happy with stability. And now, with Baker gone, Deshaun Watson's suspension status up in the air, and Jacoby Brissett slated the start, now, Jacoby Brissett could win some games, but he's not Baker. This could go south for Cleveland really fast, and I'm hoping it doesn't, but I'm really just happy for Baker getting a second chance. He's in an open quarterback room. I'm not worried about Sam Darnold. P.J. Walker is a fun backup. Not worried about P.J. Walker. Baker Mayfield should be in line to be the Carolina Panthers starter going into the season. This is good news for DJ Moore, for Robbie Anderson, for Christian McCaffrey. This is a guy that does not run the football. He does not make too many boneheaded plays, although he will get that gunslinger mentality. And I think a big body receiver like Terrace Marshall could be his Donovan Peoples-Jones, flashing a little bit where he did nothing in his rookie year. I think he'll become a fun third wheel in the passing game. Robbie Anderson as a deep threat will be kind of like Odell was in Cleveland, where they try to force him the ball deep. But DJ Moore will be the consistent, the Jarvis Landry in the passing game. DJ Moore will be fine with Baker Mayfield. It will be very similar to a season he had in 2020 with Teddy Bridgewater under center. He was good with Sam Darnold and company last year, but I think the stability of a Baker Mayfield will be good for him. And I think Carolina, Matt Rule is just circulating through quarterbacks, trying to figure it out. It's not the best way to keep your job, man, but I think Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback you've had in yet. And I hope that if he's healthy, that he'll dunk down to 
Christian McCaffrey and do what's needed to be better than the Falcons and hopefully the Saints in that division. It'll depend on Jameis' health, I think, because that roster in New Orleans is just better. But Baker Mayfield, let me know what you guys think of that. Is Baker done? Is this change of scenery exactly what he needs? As always, you can follow me on Twitter, at DominicMana44. And bring some positivity. Don't be a Bernard Pollard trashing on an MVP in Lamar Jackson. Good vibes only. Social media is an extension of ourselves, and let's make it a good one. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Enjoy your solo shot Saturday, and have a great week. Peace.